Um, man, I was just thinking on my way here this evening that I am so unworthy to stand behind this pulpit. I'm so unworthy to be called to preach. I'm so unworthy to present his word tonight. And I'm, I'm just thankful for our pastors and them giving me this opportunity. I'm thankful for all those that are in ministry and all those in the bus ministry, vacation Bible school, um, Awana, all that goes on around here. It, it, it costs us something. We, there, there's a lot of people here that you know, sacrifice their time and, and their heart out to God. And, and I'm, I'm just thankful that I serve in a church where people's hearts are geared towards serving God. And um, if you haven't figured out what tonight's topic is possibly going to be, I think there's, a, think there's a big chance you can figure it out whenever I read this verse. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tonight, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's good to hear the leaves going of God's word. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, this verse is given in the context of Paul giving instruction to the church at Corinth and on cheerfully giving. After all of Paul's encouragement and his instruction on the topic of giving, the chapter closes with a reminder of what God has given to us. I truly believe that we as Christians fail to grasp the great gift that God has bestowed upon us. And tonight I want us to focus on Christ. To see him as he is and all that he has done, is doing, and will do for us. That we would leave here with a genuinely thankful heart. First, I want to state that Christ always has been and always will be. He is from eternity past to eternity future. He created you and I and every human being on this planet and he knew us by name at our very conception. He reigns supreme over all creation. John 1.3 tells us that all things were made by him. We can be thankful for the fact that he reigns sovereign over all heaven and earth. But thank God he did not stop there. Revelation 13.8 tells us that he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God and his foreknowledge has always had a plan of salvation before sin ever entered the world. And that plan has always been through Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father. The plan of salvation was put into action at the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. The king of heaven was made like under the fashion of a man. Job tells us that man born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble, but not so with Jesus Christ. He had not the seed of man, but was of the seed of God. He was born of a virgin, fulfilling every prophecy ever foretold of him. And Jesus crossed every T and dotted every I in the Old Testament. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, man has always tried to make his own fig leaf covering for sin, 
But all that has ever done is revealed the shameful nakedness that sin offers. Christ, being the seed of God, had no sin found in him. He fulfilled the holy and righteous laws of God. He lived a spotless life that none of us could ever do. No, no matter how hard we strive to be perfect, none of us could ever obtain perfection. Jesus is perfect in all ways and is the only one that could ever be perfect. His sinless life is important because in order to appease the wrath of God, God has wrath towards sin. And we're all sinners, you understand. And in order to appease the wrath of God, He required a spotless lamb, a spotless and perfect sacrifice. His innocence is what saves us. Paul goes as far as to say that we are saved by His life. Now a regular sinful Joe like you or I couldn't just can't up and say we want to sacrifice ourselves for the sin of the world. We are tainted. We are filthy and we deserve his anger. We deserve punishment for sin. Salvation is the gift of God and is only made possible by way of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Look, Christ didn't have to go to Calvary. He could have called legions of angels to wipe out the earth. But out of his love, you understand, it was all his love for us that he humbled himself to bear our curse. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. God cursed him that we might be healed. He bore our sin, our shame. He bore our sorrow, our burden, our pain, our suffering. He died the death that we deserve, you see. Oh, but in His love, in His love for us, it is by His stripes that we are healed. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave Himself to be the propitiation for our sin, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our stead out of the depths of his love. I don't believe me or any other preacher could ever begin to touch the hem of the garment to describe the depth of God's love. The depth of God's love displayed by the sacrifice of his son on Calvary. God commendeth his love. That is to bring it all to one lump sum. It wasn't just a part of God's love. But every bit of God's love was put on full display for the world to see at Calvary. Amen. Christ is the only way that a sinner can be made clean. Christ is the only way that a sinner could be reconciled and have peace with God. Christ is the only way that the gap between man and God can be bridged. Christ is the only way that a sinner could be deemed righteous in the sight of God. Christ is the only way that a sinner could be transformed from darkness to light. Look, the list could go on and on and on. And one day it will throughout all of eternity. The riches that are in Christ. Oh, Brother Ken has been preaching on the riches that God has given us. The riches that are in Christ and the love displayed by our Lord are unspeakable. 
the human mind can't fully comprehend nor contain all of who Jesus Christ is. No one can comprehend the depth of what has been given to you and I and to anyone that will believe on his name. How unsearchable is the gift of God in Christ Jesus. No man can know the greatness of what has been bestowed to usward. There are no words in any language to fully grasp the love of God through his son. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, um, I was sweating bullets, to be honest, Sunday morning. And uh, when Pastor Soane said, open up to Luke 17, my heart sunk because that is what we're about to turn to. Turn to Luke chapter number 17. Luke chapter number 17, the same scripture as Sunday morning, starting in verse 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Look, do we understand that this is a picture of us at one time in our lives? Or maybe the lost soul that is here or listening online, you are still that leper. You are far off from God. You are unclean and you need to be cleansed. Look, man doesn't need a covering. He needs a cleansing. Amen. This shows our condition before Christ intervened on our behalf. Notice that verse 12 says that they were afar off. The lost soul is afar off from God. They are cast without the city gates, completely in their own place, and they're lost in their condition. They have no hope, cast without the camp. The lepers were completely away from the things of God and completely out of fellowship with the children of God inside the, inside the city gates or inside the camp. And it reminds me of Brother Kenneth's message recently in Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 11 through 13 say, Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, now that leper was a Samaritan, who are called the circumcision, uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Look, we had no hope. No promises to cling to. We were aliens to God. We were not of his kind nor his kindred. But Christ our Lord and our mediator bridges that vast gap between man and God. Christ is the only one able to reach us in that distant land of sin which we dwelled in. Also notice that the lepers lifted up their voices and called Jesus Master 
in verse 13. They had faith that Jesus could heal them, but only one of them, one of the ten showed the fruit of genuine salvation. Thankfulness to God will be a natural proof that one is truly saved. How can you really be saved and not have enough thankfulness in your heart to turn back to God and give him the glory that he deserves? We ought to be thankful because we don't deserve anything good. We deserve hell, as a matter of fact. We deserve punishment. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Whatever good thing we have in this life is because of God's gracious hand. And his greatest gift is salvation in Christ. Look, we don't deserve his outstretched hand reaching down to heal us. We don't deserve the balm of Gilead coming down to heal the heart's greatest need. Leprosy is a picture of sin. And we don't deserve to be made clean. We don't deserve to be made whole. It is completely out of the grace and mercy of God that he remembers the believer's sin no more. Forever washed into the sea, cast behind his back, gone forever. I love how in verse 16... It ends with the comment on the leper saying, and he was a Samaritan. He was a Gentile. The Jews thought the Gentiles to be just scum of the earth, barbaric and godless. But this shows that God will accept anyone who would trust in his name, no matter their pedigree, no matter where they come from, who they are, what they have done. To any that will come to God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will in no wise cast out. The leper was made whole. He could go within the camp now. He was grafted into the family of God, being made a child of God. He was no longer afar off. You see, in the Old Testament, when someone had leprosy, they cast them out of the camp, away from all the people. Oh, but when they were cleansed, they could be brought back in. This leper was grafted into the family of God, accepted, made nigh by the blood of Christ. The Jews were disgusted by Gentiles. But the Samaritan leper is proof that Christ saves to the uttermost. If he saved me and all that I've done, all the wicked things I've done in my past, Being a Gentile, he can save absolutely anyone. I believe he can save the alcoholic and their drunken stupor in the middle of it. I believe he can save the drug addict with a needle in their arm. He can save anyone he is mighty to save. I heard a preacher once say, he not only saves to the uttermost, but he saves from the guttermost. Oh boy, is that true. Christ can take the most filthy and vile and wicked man and wash him white as snow. And thinking upon what Jesus has done for us, it ought to drive us to fall on our face at his feet and give him a set apart time of thanks. May we run back to Jesus with thanksgiving. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now look, after salvation, we are given a testimony And that testimony isn't meant to stay under a bushel. It isn't meant to stay hidden. We are the light of the world. And it is the believer's duty to testify on Christ's behalf. Thank God that he doesn't just save us and leave us in a horrible condition. 
He lifts us up out of the miry clay, out of a horrible pit, and He plants our feet on a firm foundation. He plants our feet on the rock, and that rock is Christ. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. And people ought to be able to see the change in our life. They ought to see, look, salvation is not of works, but they ought to see the natural trans, transformation that takes place in the heart. God sanctifies by His grace. And people ought to be able to see it. They ought to see that we are a new creature with new desires and new convictions that we once never had. Now, I had a family member a few years back. Um, and he came up to me and said, Corey, I probably shouldn't have even said he because someone might figure it out. He said, Corey, I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I respect you. He saw the change in me. He said, I respect you and I almost envy you. He said, I, you know, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't do these things, you don't cuss, you don't live like the rest of your family. You've broken the curse, he said. And as I began to tell him the reason why there was a change in me, he said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm drunk, I'm just going to go to bed and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Well, that opportunity tomorrow never came. Tomorrow never gave me that opportunity. No matter the condition that someone is in, we should never let the opportunity to tell the gospel and to give our testimony slip by. I deeply regret not sitting him down right there and saying, no, give me 30 minutes of your time. We might not like the way our lost family and friends act, even though we're around them. They might cuss a little too much or drink too much for our, uh, for our comfort or whatever the case may be. But if we, we have a truly thankful heart for what God has done in our lives, we should do anything possible to show Christ in us. Second Samuel 22.50 says, Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. David had just finished in that chapter listing all that God had done for him and came to the conclusion that he will give thanks to the Lord among the heathen. May we witness to people or to the people around us this Thanksgiving that they may know our Lord, our God. I hear a lot of the lost world say, well, I'm thankful that I have all this. I'm thankful for this and that. Look, a good starting point to witnessing would say, well, who are you thankful to? Where do you think it came from? By chance? Why are you thankful if it's by chance? I might come off as brash or harsh, but I'm, my point is we have a lot of great opportunities to witness the gospel to our lost family and friends. Look, David didn't only say he would give thanks among the heathen. He said that he would sing praises to God. Look, giving thanks means taking action. He can say thank you all that he wants, but people know words are nothing without action. David put his heart of thanks on display by singing to God. People will know that we are genuine not by what we say, but by what we do. 2 Corinthians tells us that we are ambassadors of Christ. We represent him, and to do that, we need divine help. We need to be filled with the Spirit. 
Look, if you're lost, you cannot be filled with the Spirit. But the Spirit indwells in the believer upon salvation. Upon the moment that the believer places their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord. The Spirit that resides in the Christian is the same Spirit that descended upon Christ in the Jordan. It is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The same Spirit that set ablaze to the upper room. And the Spirit of God wants to use each and every one of us to point others to Christ. I'm thankful that God wants to use us and is willing to use sinners to carry out his plan. I'm thankful that God changes and molds his children to be more like Christ. And I'm thankful for the testimony that I have in Christ. I'm thankful that God uses us until the day that the Christian goes home to be with him. We'll look at one more reason to be thankful tonight. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, would you please? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Starting in verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, my favorite, one of my favorite verses to go out witnessing and door knocking to use is 1 Peter chapter number 1 verse 4. It tells us that we are begotten again unto a lively hope. There are many people even here tonight that might not have any bit of hope. But look, we have a blessed hope. Because he lives, we have hope in this life and the next, no matter today's circumstances. Christ died that we would not die. When the disciples lost all hope after the crucifixion, he got up out of the grave. Excuse me. And death at that moment was forever swallowed up in victory. There is power in the resurrection of our Lord. We have a blessed hope. Death is not the end, but rather the beginning of life for the Christian. Many walk around with gloom as if they're marching to the end as time presses forward. But by his victory over death, hell, and the grave, we are given courage and hope to march on as Christian soldiers through all that life throws our way. Christ rose from the grave, giving us eternal life and for assurity. We can have assurance in eternal life. The Bible means nothing. Look, the Bible means nothing. The cross means nothing. It all together is just another religion if Christ never rose again. Praise be to God. He gave us the victory. He rose again being seen of over 500 witnesses. All of our hope can rest in the resurrection. We no longer have to face life's final breath with fear. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death Of his saints. The Christian has assurance that they have an eternal home in heaven and the promises of eternal life. There are many other promises that follow pursuit. We shall rule and reign with Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Romans 8 32 says that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also 
freely give us all things. God is not holding us back from anything. On that day when we cross over the Jordan to be home, we come into a full inheritance, not just part. God doesn't have some sort of will that says, well, I, I'll just give over all this over here to the cherubim and this over here to the seraphim and the archangels can have that. No, we come into a full inheritance. It is freely given to us, joint heirs with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If God spared not his heaven's best for us, what would he ever withhold from his children? We have a God of grace and the amount of grace that he has, we will see unravel throughout the years and eternity and it will never run dry. All of this made possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial and resurrection. Look, without him, we will be lost. We would die in our sin and suffer an eternity in hell. Thank God that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Thank God that Jesus came to offer life and life more abundant. Thank God we are given an eternal home and an eternal rest serving the God who saved us. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And I want to close just by saying a few things. Look, if you're here tonight and you've never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never trusted in him, the gospel is that we are unclean, we are filthy, and any good works is as filthy rags before God. We can do nothing to get to heaven. I'm telling you right now, there are only two places you can go when you die, heaven and hell. And look, there's a choice to be made. Uh, We are not elected. There's nothing you can do to get there either. But there's a choice to be made. You can be saved. You can be cleansed from all your sin by the blood of, the, blood of Jesus Christ. And they, it, I've never met a Christian that has regretted trusting in Jesus Christ at all. Look, we don't know when our time is. Only God knows. But don't put it off. We don't know when death might roll our way. Today is the day of salvation. There's a good reason why the Bible says that. And a Christian, I want us to think about this. Without joy, we cannot offer proper thanks to God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And without joy, we leave our heart wide open to anything but thankfulness. Without the joy of the Lord, we lose sight of the reasons that, that we have to be thankful. And I believe if we truly meditate on all of God's blessings, those that don't have joy will find it. We also ought to think about the word giving and thanksgiving. It requires something from us. It's going to cost us something. To give is not to expect anything in return. We ought to give thanks to God, even if he never sent another blessing our way. May we set aside some time from family, from friends, from any sort of distraction, and get on our face before God and offer him the thanks he deserves. Look, being a Christian is far better than any amount of gold or silver this world has to offer. If you've never trusted him, I beg you, find someone, find me, Brother Kenneth, Brother, Brother Tim Stone, anyone, Brother George, Brother Rick. We have so many men and women here that will sit down with you and guide you through God's word on how to be saved. And um, my prayer is that you would be saved You can have the best Thanksgiving and the best Christmas of your life. 
God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Uh, I thank y'all so much for this opportunity to preach tonight, and thank you for your time. I'm excited for a time of testimony right now. And um, Brother Rick, would you close us in a word of prayer, please?